Hi friends, it's Annie Sad alongside your host, Elizabeth Critton. Today we have a very special guest, Ann Wilson. She joined us in Bloomstrong for the month of parenting and we just felt like we wanted to share it with you guys as well because it was an immense blessing and we just walked away feeling lighter, more excited and energized to be moms, to be who we were made to be with what God has given us. Ann Wilson is also the host of Family Life Today with her husband, Dave Wilson, and they have a new book out called No Perfect Parents that we encourage you to pick up. We hope this podcast blesses you and enjoy. This is really amazing. Thank you so much for joining us and meeting with us. And we um, we did a marriage topic last month and we sent all the girls that powerful affirmation of a wife. Uh, podcast you did and it was oh good good hopefully you can learn from my mistakes (laughs) that's what we're here for right (laughs) testimony yes (laughs) I listen to that all the time just for like a good laugh and cry like that's that's one of my very favorites the power of a wife's affirmation it's so good oh thanks you guys thank you for hopping on and pouring into us I feel like I know you so I'm kind of fangirling (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I'm just so honored we're all so honored and excited to to oh thank you I don't know if Elizabeth has told you about Bloom Strong at all. Tell me about it. Oh, hi. Um, so basically, hi, Angie. Hi, Linda. Hi, girls. How's it going? Um, so basically, we come together every month and we have, um, or every week, excuse me, and every month there's a different topic of life where we write out the legacy that we want to leave in that area of life. And so we draw that up. And then um, really just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the barriers that the kind of the lies that we're grabbing at instead of the truth that are withholding the lasting things. Yeah. And then those lesser things. And then um, we create an environment or a greenhouse, so to speak, of action steps and boundaries in order to stay in that safe place to enjoy the fruit in our life and experience a little bit more of that. Um, and then create, um, kind of a testimony to be able to share with other people. Like, this is what happened when I changed this. Um, and so that when we run into women or maybe it's our kids or grandkids, um, that are going through the same things, we have tools (laughs) that we can give them. I know you and Dave are super passionate about legacy too. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard you about it a lot and I know you guys have a great one with your kids and um we're on parenting and I do have your book I haven't read it yet (laughs) so do you mind if I do a quick prayer to open up I'd love to yeah awesome um father god thank you so much for our ability to connect virtually and connect our hearts and I just praise you and thank you for these women who are Mm just fixing their eyes on you, God, and stepping with intention and deepening their roots in the truth, God. And I thank you how you work through the body of Christ. I thank you that these women care and know that their lives matter and the purpose you put within them matters and that their position as moms and parents and grandparents matter. And 
um, that they know that you're so proud that they are seeking your very best and making the most out of what you've given them and the people in their life. God, we just pray you for Anne and Dave and their ministry and how many people they're impacting, God. And we just ask for your Holy Spirit to flow through this meeting, God, and mm. to touch hearts in the way that you've designed us to receive today from you. In Jesus' name, mm. amen. Amen. So, um, Anne, if you would be willing, would you share a little bit about maybe who you are and yeah, yeah. I've been married to my husband Dave for forty-one years. I'm over here. <laughs> he just finished with his podcast, um, and we have three sons that are thirty-five, thirty-three, and thirty. They're all married. We have six grandkids. Um, Dave and I were on crew staff. Um, for 15 years where we were, um, we worked with athletes, with athletes in action at a university campus. Then we went to seminary. We came to Detroit area, the Metro Detroit area. And Dave was a chaplain for the Detroit lions. And I worked with all their wives. And then we started a church. Um, I never really wanted to be a pastor's wife. I didn't grow up in the church and I'm like, what are we doing? Uh, so it's always amazing where God takes us where sometimes he takes us into areas that we don't think we'll want to go when we end up loving it. And so we did that for 30 years. Um, and then almost three years ago, uh, we were asked to become the host for Family Life Today radio podcast. And we've been doing that for a while now. And we also speak at the Weekend Remember Marriage Conferences. We've been doing that for 30 three years. And um, we also do our own conferences on marriage and parenting. So some big things, like if you were to tell yourself years ago, you know, um, yeah, some big things that would have a lot of stress or guilt or, you know, just trying to figure it out as you go, what would you, what would you share? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And so I didn't know what it would look like to raise my kids for Jesus. And when I gave my life to Jesus, I mean, at 18 years old, I was all in. I, I had said a prayer at 16, but 18 was at a point where I'm like, Lord, I don't want to play around. I want to be all in for you. I'm going to give you my entire life. I'll do anything, go anywhere and, and be the person that you've created me to be. I want to fulfill everything that you've put in me. And so that was huge for me. And I feel like that's a really big step. And then when Dave and I got married, we'd never really seen a Christian marriage. Like, what's it look like to have Jesus in the center of that? And then what's it look like to have Jesus in the center of your parenting? And I think what I would tell my younger version, my younger self is that, and this is what I've realized over the years, is your parenting really comes out of an overflow of your walk with God. Now, let me add this. I was just with our six grandkids last weekend. And at the, I told Dave, like, I don't even know how I spent time with God. Like there's no time. You can barely brush your teeth or brush your hair, let alone having this time with Jesus, you know? And yet I think that there's something great about being in this stage of parenting When your kids are needy, you're needy. I remember saying like, I have no life. I have no life anymore. And then as I got older, I realized, wow, 
Jesus and our family has, that really has been my life. It's been the greatest joy, but when you're in the midst of it and you're drowning, you kind of are just trying to grab air. But I think what happens with women, with moms in particular, is when we are desperate and we cry out to God, he hears us. Every time we cry out to him, he hears us. And so instead of having these long, luxurious times to spend with God, and this is what you all have probably learned to do. I learned to be with God in the everyday, with every breath. I'm talking to him constantly. I remember when I would put our kids in their car seats and I'd buckle them in, I would pray out loud. As soon as I would get in the car, I would pray. And um, I started learning how to, it really, it's really Deuteronomy 6, you know, which says Deuteronomy 6, 4, to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then I, I, I don't, because I'm on my phone, I don't have my Bible in front of me. Even if one of you looked it up, that would be great. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, it really is. But it talks about how when you love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, it says you talk about him when you walk along the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. And so that's, I feel like that's what motherhood teaches us, doesn't it? It's like the first thing I do, and this is this is what I learned in as a young mom. Like I would wake up in the morning, first thing I'm doing is like Jesus, I give my day to you. I surrender all that I am to you. Fill me with your spirit so that I can become, so that I can see the kids the way you do. I can say the things you would say. Now, is this perfect? No, I failed constantly. But you know, it's like you begin the day like that, and then you're praying throughout the day. Um, and bedtimes were huge for us, just being with them, talking, doing little devotionals that are age appropriate, praying all the time. Like I remember praying out loud, like I'd pray every time on the way to school. And sometimes they're like, there's just prayers that are Lord, what's up with, there's no sun for five days. Like we need to see some sun Lord. So the kids can see that your relationship with God is a relationship. It's not church on Sunday. It's this living, thriving relationship that's just like our relationship with them. Um, so that, and then, yeah, mealtime was big too. Of I would always ask them, and Dave would too, tell me about the highs of your day. What was the great stuff that happened today? And then I would say, what were the hard things that happened today? And especially with raising boys, um, I would ask them to put a feeling word attached to what the good was or the bad. So in other words, you know, if they said the day was, it was bad, like something happened that was bad. Well, what happened? Uh, somebody was mean to me. How did it make you feel? They can't say bad, you know, it has to feel, it, it's, it's teaching them how to deal with their emotions, which I think is really important. I don't think it's something I ever did learn to do until maybe like 20 years ago. <laughs> um, and then the other thing is, is, I wish I would have given myself a lot more grace. I, I, I share in the book that um, there was a night that Dave was, had been out of town. He was coming home late. He wasn't getting home when I was expected. And the kids were like, I can't even remember. They were young, but CJ was in school and he had ADD. So he couldn't, I didn't even know it then, but he was kept like, I was doing spelling words with him. And he was distracted and the other boys are fighting in the other room and they knock something over and CJ again, couldn't like he did something and was distracted. 
And I got so mad. I was like, oh my gosh. And I kicked the wall and my foot went through the wall. And there's this hole in the wall, you guys. And I was like, oh my gosh. And the boys are like, they run to the wall. And the, our four-year-old is like, mom, we didn't know you were this strong. This is amazing. And I'm thinking my husband's going to be home any minute, the pastor. And so I run upstairs. I get wallpaper because the ball was wallpapered and I cut it out. I cover the hole so that Dave doesn't see it. As We moved out of that house. I'm sure they're, they took the wallpaper down and like, what is this hole? So Dave comes home and the kids are like, dad, you won't believe what mom did. Now, as a mom, you guys, what, what's the thing that you feel the most? Shame, like shame. And have you ever done this? You go to bed and then you are just bombarded with guilt, with shame. I hear, and I feel like Satan, who is the accuser. And in John 10, 10, he says, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to destroy us as moms because we are so, like, we have so much influence. We have so many good things that we're doing and Satan hates us and hates our kids and wants to totally destroy us and keep us with guilt, shame, fear. And so, I mean, this is embarrassing. And I had already apologized to our son, CJ, like CJ, I'm so sorry. Like that wasn't about you. That was just me losing my temper. I, they, they heard me confess that sin to God. And so I did all the right things because we all make mistakes and it's good for them to see our humanness, our repentance. That's the gospel. It's the gospel of grace. But our kids would tell you that like, I was so overwhelmed with shame so often and guilt. It was like this heavy burden. I would wake them up in the middle of the night and apologize again. Or I would write them letters of apology. And they, they're like, what are you doing? In, in our book, we had them, um, each of the boys wrote in, after certain chapters. And CJ actually wrote in this chapter of him saying, like their perspective, things we did right, things we did wrong. And he said, I don't know why mom felt so much guilt. I didn't even know she did because the next day she was fine and she was fun. And, you know, I love, I love scripture that says his mercies are new every morning. And so now as a mom, I, and I'm saying to you, it's easy to get caught in that trap of guilt and shame. And you are the exact mom that he wants to raise your kids. He's handpicked you, whether they're your biological kids, your adopted kids, your foster kids, you're the perfect person to raise them. And God puts so many good things in you. And so I would say, don't let Satan have a foothold. Take every thought captive. I didn't do that for years. I think that that's a big, big thing. Romans 12, one and two, when it talks about um, not being conformed by this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that's where life starts to change. And that only comes as an overflow of our time with Jesus. That was so good. And I love that you had boys and you had to attach a feeling word. 
at dinner, I was thinking about that because I watched on your Instagram a video clip. I'm going to cry. I'm like really emotional today, but um, of your son. <laughs> and he was talking to Dave and just thanking him for being um, a dad that he didn't have. Like Dave didn't have um, yeah. a father figure, but like it was so sweet and just like his tender, tender heart. And I bet your thought, like your questions and the feeling questions and mm. totally helped keep their hearts tender and then seeing you mm. be humble and apologize. But yeah, that's my, my prayer is like, I want um, my son to know that like tenderness is strength and I want to know how to yeah. keep heart tender. Like, well, and just, just so you know, like our oldest son He's more analytical. He's an engineer. He's an IT guy. This is is where it was like his mom's. We see like, okay, this needs work. He was nine. And I remember saying goodnight to him. I said, I love you so much, hon. He goes, mom, you don't have to say that all the time. I know it. You can say it one time and I know it for the rest of my life. You know what I'm thinking? His poor wife. And I remember teaching and we're always teaching our kids too about relationships and future. Like I said, you will probably get married someday and your wife will need to hear that constantly from you. She may know it, but we have to be reminded. We need to be pursued. But also that same son, I think he had a girlfriend when he was 17. He go, this is so embarrassing. He goes to pick her up for this date. They're going to go to a movie or something. And he comes back in like 10 minutes. And we're like, what? what are you doing home? I thought you were going out with Tony. He goes, yeah, I picked her up and she was in a super bad mood. And so I said to her, are you going to be like this all night? And she said, I don't know. He goes, all right. And so he drives her back home and he says, well, if you're going to be like this all night, it's not going to be any fun and you're not going to have fun and I'm not going to have fun. So we might as well just not be together tonight because you know, it's not going to be fun for either of us. And so he has her get out of the car and he comes home. So anyway, those are great teaching times to say like, oh, but your wife, you know, <laughs> that's, that shows you like our kids are all so different, but it takes some real teaching of some of those things. By the way, he's been married 11 years. He has an amazing wife and they're they have a really cool relationship. I was super worried about him because he's probably the most concrete analytical thinker, you know? Right. That's so good. Yes. Also ladies, if anything stirs up, um, quite, you can ask and pop in as well, but I loved the part I think as the mom guilt, shame and fear that we do take every thought captive. Like you said, you probably didn't do that enough Yeah. in the beginning because the taking every thought captive and giving it to God, I think is one of the most important things we can do to defeat the enemy and rise up. But also knowing that some of those things, like I just, just talking to a friend and I kind of spoke about this recently that she did something as a mom felt super guilty. Like she's a bad mom. And I said, you know what? We can say, God, thank you for exposing that, that ugliness. Yeah. Now I can take this and bring it to you and you can heal it and renew it. Yes. That's really good. And I think too, our kids are not perfect and they, and we're not either. We can't pretend that we are perfect. 
It shows them that we really need Jesus. I think your generation, the social media thing, I just feel so bad for you guys because you're plagued now with comparison. And so that just adds and heaps on the guilt, the shame, the comparison. I can remember always thinking like, oh, I'm not as good as her. You know, you see these moms doing this stuff like crafts. And we had my art, one of our, we started this church with two other couples and the one family, they were all musical. They were, they did all the arts at our church. And so the whole family singing and I shared in the book and then the other family, they're like super smart. So they're listening to, I think their oldest was eight and they're listening to all classic literature in their cars. You know, they're listening to books that are classic literature on their family trips. You know, our kids are listening to jock rocks kind of like these, you know, they're, they're not listening to any. And I'm thinking, what are our kids going to turn out like, you know? And so Satan just has a field bait because then when you have fear, guilt, or shame, what happens is our eyes go on us. We go inward. And when you go inward, you don't have eyes for what God's doing or for, or for God, because Satan, his greatest, um, I feel like his tactic is for us to go inward. Don't you? Cause then we're not free. I feel like I didn't live free for a long time. And you can almost like just listen to a talk. Like if you look inward, it's almost like you just feel this weight come on you. But if you're looking yes, and you're just like, every good thing comes from you, God. And like in me is from you. And like, I don't have to be perfect. I just have to say yes yeah. and listen to you. And yeah. Yes. Feel the shift from heaviness to lightness which I think is so important. Um, One of the things I've started doing, even with grown kids, because believe it or not, we still worry about our kids as adults, worry about their marriages, their lives, their jobs, their, their, their kids. And so I find myself waking up at night. Have you ever done this where you're, you're thinking like when they were little it was like maybe what they're going through or their fear or school situations or friend situations now those things are even bigger. And so I've gotten into this practice of when I do that, you know, your mind just kind of spins. And so I visualize seeing Jesus, I'm standing in front of him and I hand him over all the things that are heavy for me. I, I, at times I've actually handed him my children, like here, you know, he says that, um, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And so often I think we as moms try to figure it out first instead of going to God first. When we go to Jesus first, he can give us some great things to do. Like like this, I'll I'll share this illustration. Um, I think CJ was 13 and we, something happened in the morning where he had a really bad attitude and I kind of snapped and I said, oh my goodness, like your privileges are gone this weekend. And I kind of blew up. We get in the car, I'm driving him to school. And I said, Hey, I probably overreacted. And I'm really sorry for that. Let's talk about what happened. Well, he sits in the passenger seat with his arms crossed over his chest. And I said, Hey, don't shut down on me. Let's talk about what happened. I I overreacted, obviously. What are you feeling? Well, he doesn't say anything. And that makes me even more mad. So we get to the school And I said, don't get out of the car until we at least talk about this. Because as parents, one of our greatest things that we teach our kids is how to handle conflict. And 
in marriage, it's one of the greatest determinants of who has a, who has a good or great marriage or who ends up separated is by how they handle conflict. So this is a passion of mine. And so he looks at me, he opens the door and he walks into the school. And now I'm furious, like, I don't know what to do. So on the way home, I'm thinking, what should I have done? What should I do? And then this is the first place I should go, but it wasn't. I sh- in James 1, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously without reproach. And so I said to Jesus, like, Lord, I don't know what to do. He's 13. I don't know if this is normal. I don't know what I should do. And this thought came into my mind. And I go home, I grab a piece of paper, and I write down this picture that God gave me. And it's a stick figure of a guy, stick figure of a girl, and in between them is this brick. And I put that on his desk where he studies every night, comes home from school, he goes upstairs, he comes down with my piece of paper, my drawing, he goes, mom, is this your attempt at artistry? What is this? And I said, oh, well, that was me. That's me. And that's you. And we had a fight this morning. And that's represented in that brick that's between us. And he said, mom, I'm not even mad about what happened earlier. I said, I'm not either, but we haven't resolved it. So we still have the brick is the fight that we had and we haven't resolved it. So it's still there. We just haven't, we're not mad about it. And I said, CJ, dad and I travel around the country and we see marriages that have a fight and then they never deal with it and they form a brick and then they have another one and they form another brick. And I took this and I said, and I talked to parents who have kids who are getting older and they have these arguments and they never deal with it. And I, I made this wall between us in the picture. And I said, and let me tell you, there's so many people that can't even talk anymore because they've never learned how to get rid of the bricks. And I never want to have a relationship with you that we have walls between us and we can't talk because we haven't resolved our issues. And as any 13 year old would say, goes, so how do you get rid of the brick? (laughs) And so we talked, we prayed, we talked about what we were feeling. We confessed. Um, and then I took my eraser and I erased all of those bricks. And I just said, let's just never have that between us. And I hope as you get older with friends, with coworkers, with the wife, for your kids, that you'll learn like this is really important to deal with conflict and to know how to get rid of the bricks in your relationships. That's the part where we go to God first. Oh, my goodness. And that God gave you that download to do that in a way that was like not words but like he's gonna have to be like what's this that was so good god is you guys isn't it god gives us stuff like that if we cry out to him he's like i'm here i'm gonna answer your prayers and not always the way we want but he will answer us what was the next question what does the bible say about what it means to be a good mother i thought about that um I mean, the Bible doesn't talk necessarily about being a good mom, you know, in, in those terms, but there's a lot of things that God gives us. I feel like the Proverbs 31 woman is, is kind of a, a, a good illustration of a good mom in all, but it's a, it's, it's her whole life. It's not just that mom part. And the other thing I think is, I think a good mom is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Did anybody look that up? 
I'd love for you to read it. I'll read it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today to, are to be on your heart. Okay, wait. Them on- Stop right there. So that right there is called the Shema. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. It's the Shema, the Shema of Israel. And every morning, Israelites would say this out loud together. They would say it as a family. And so that first part there, it's to be on your heart. So as a parent, a good mom is, she has that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. That's on your heart. Okay, now go to the next part. I like that. Okay. Um, Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I love that because, I mean, if you go to Israel and you see, um, if you see certain Jews, they will actually have things on their hands. They'll have their prayer thing on their head. They, and they do have that on their doorposts of their homes. And I mean, I don't think he meant to take that literally like that, but it's to be on our hearts, on our minds. It's constant. And I think that is what makes us a good mom. And here's the other thing I would say is when you are free to be the woman that God created you to be, meaning we go back and we deal with our junk. We deal with our past because I see so many women in bondage to their past wounds and their past hurts, that again, their heads are down. They're living in shame. They're not living free. Jesus said, I came to set the captive free. Um, And so I feel like to be a good mom, when we're free, to be the good mom is to be exactly who he created you to be, not to be like, come to become like someone else, but you are the one that your kids need. That's what being a good mom is. Surrender to Jesus surrendered to his you're in his word you have a community and out of the overflow of that is what your kids need just being transparent I can that was something on my heart is to go back and heal a wound or whatever God will reveal to me in this because there's certain things that one kid will do that really irks me and I know it it's from my own (laughs) like past or pain or whatever and it's nothing to do with them and it what drives me crazy is because I don't want to feel that way towards them, but I, but I need to do the work, the hard work and go deep within and have God heal it so that I do delight in them in those places that they need to be delighted in because it's, it's something within me that's causing me to feel this way. Me too. Our, our first child was very introvert. You know, you have expectations of what your kids are going to be like. He was the opposite of what I thought. I thought he's going to be athletic. And like, think about the things I'm saying, athletic and people will love him and he'll be so funny. Like they're all worldly things in terms of like, what am I really looking forward? I want someone to affirm me. This son was super introverted, super analytical, very quiet. Um, And what I realized was, It matters to me what people think about him. Why does that matter to me? Because of my own insecurity. 
I was trying to get my affirmation from the behavior of our kids. And if you've had more than one child and that child's strong, (laughs) you're not going to get your affirmation from that. And so that was really good for me of saying, why does this matter to me? Oh, it's because of my own insecurities. I'm very performance oriented. That was kind of drilled into me. And because of even that performance oriented part of me, I had a tendency to put that on my kids. I was a gymnast growing up for 10 years. And um, I, it, my first big meet, I had gotten a bunch of medals and um, ribbons. And I was so excited. I was the youngest of four. And I was so excited for my dad and my oldest brother, who was nine years older, to see them. And they were gone. I told my mom, have them wake me up. Have them come in the room and see all my stuff that I won at this meet. And so they came in the room and they woke me up and I said, did you see it? Did you see that I meddled and all around? And it was my brother that said, hey, don't be satisfied with anything but a first place. And they said, we are the barons and we are winners. Don't come home if you don't have a first place. Oh, so talk about wounds, you know? So what does that do? I, that. If I don't deal with that, I'm going to put that right onto my kids. And I feel like I did do that, but I feel like God got a hold of it pretty quickly when our kids were little. And thankfully, but I've, I mean, one of our kids would say he felt that pressure for me because he has a tendency to be an achiever anyway. So I think that's important to kind of go back to your past stuff. And it's God's grace of just loving us and saying, hey, I'd love to deal with that. And sometimes our kids parenting is what brings it out. It exposes it, doesn't it? (laughs) That just gets me thinking a lot. If you don't mind, I'll just voice it. Um, Ever since I've gotten married, you know, you you realize really quickly when you get married and have kids that women tend to move towards this conversation of ripping on your husband and we all have done it and it's kind of fun and it feels good. But you can get into this conversation where it's like, you know, it's not supportive. It's not godly. It's just we're just ripping to get, to get, um, basically feel better. Anyway, I've noticed this with the parenting thing. Like it's very common for women to get together and we rip on our kids and I've been guilty as well. Like, you know, just almost like almost talking behind your kids back in a negative Mm. way and sharing the bad. And it looks like we're just dressing it up as like we're venting as moms, but it actually is very, I think unhealthy for our psyche to, to, to basically just be venting about our children in that way. But I think it stems from what you're talking about. And I've tried to catch myself lately, uh, not joining in in on that and just sharing the loving things that I love about my kids and things. But um, I think it stems from that piece that you just referred to is that like um, separating me from the bad about my children. It's not me. And then, you know, it's them, but I'm calling it out and, it's, it's our own insecurities, you know, it's yes. that piece. And so it's just kind of a phenomenon I've tried to not engage with as much as I've now become aware of it. I think that's really powerful because I think that um, it's kind of, uh, you're right. It does. It, it creates neurological pathways. When you keep going down the same thought pattern, the same word pattern, you're creating neurological pathways that that's just where you go. And I feel like we can do that in marriage. Like we just think negatively about our spouse. We can do it in parenting. 
Um, God really convicted me of that too, especially in my marriage. Um, we talk about it in our marriage book, Vertical Marriage. But to give you an example of that, same thing would happen with me. I'd be with my friends. We'd talk, they would talk negatively about their husbands. And I would find myself, even if I didn't agree with them, I would still go home and look at Dave like, you do the same thing. You know what I mean? And so Dave shared with me, and maybe some of you have heard this. um, We'd been married about 15 years, and we were asked to come and speak at our church mops group, Moms of Preschoolers. And Dave, I said, hey, you should come and do it with me because they asked me to do it. I said, Dave, you should come. They would love it. You're the pastor. They think it was great. So I said, what do you want to talk about? And he goes, I don't know. Let's just wing it. So Dave just starts talking. I don't even know where he's going. And he goes, ladies, I don't know if you know this, but we as little boys somewhere along our lives, we had a parent or someone cheering for us saying, you're good at this. You're great. And he said, I had that with my single mom. He said, and and coaches, I played sports. And then I was a college quarterback. And so I have fans cheering for me, telling me, Dave Wilson, you're great. And he said, then I met Anne. And basically she says, of all the men in the world, Dave Wilson, you're the man. I choose you. And she's cheering for me. And I'm thinking, I've never heard him share any of this. And so then he goes, and then you know what happens when we're married for a while? We walk in the door and all we hear is boo, boo. And I'm sitting at this chair like, what in the world are you talking about? He has never mentioned this to me. He's never said anything. I don't even, I didn't even know how it ended. We got in the car and I said, what was that? And he goes, I don't know. It just came out. And I said, you think I'm booing you? And he goes, yeah, it feels like I can't do anything right. It feels like you're always trying to fix me. You're always trying to, you know, I'm not doing this well enough. I'm not parenting well. I'm not a good husband. I'm not. And you guys, I was so mad at that. I'm like, I am helping you. I, I'm helping you to be better. Everybody, I see the real you. I'm helping you. And he said, it's not helping. It just makes me want to run away, basically. And that, when I got home, I went and got on my knees and I asked God, is it true, God, do you, am I booing my husband? And I felt like God said, yes. And so I had to go through, it took me like a couple of years to learn how to take those thoughts captive. It's like a neurological pathway. Are you guys, you're in the West Coast. Do you have snow where you are? You don't. Oh, this is a bad illustration, but you've probably seen snow. When you're in Michigan, we have snow. So when there's snow on the highway, there's like two lanes, you know, two little spaces for your tires to go in. And you don't want to get off of those because it's clear pavement. Everywhere else is the snow. So when you go over into the next lane where it's pure snow, you're so careful because you're making a new pathway for your tires. That's what it's like with our minds. I think it's really good. What I had to do is say, first of all, listen to my thoughts. What am I thinking about my husband? What am I thinking about my kids? Because what will eventually go into your mind, you know, comes out of your mouth. Scripture even talks about your heart. It comes out of the overflow of your heart. So then I had to track my words. And I would, I, I would say that to you guys, like, listen to yourself as you talk to your kids. How are you talking to your kids? I know that as they become teenagers, it's really easy to feel like we're constantly critiquing them. 
we get a little panicky because of the culture and what they're facing. And so we get very obsessive of what we're, what they shouldn't do. And I think it's really important that we're speaking life and not death and criticism to them all the time. And then I would say, so think about what you think about, listen to what you say. And then if you have truth to speak to your kids, I think this is big, especially with teenagers, pray before you talk to your kids. I know you're not going to do that all the time because you're constantly in the mode of you're instructing constantly. But if it's something big, like really pray through it before you do, you talk to them, that makes a world of difference in your marriages too. I Because I'm a verbal processor, so everything I'm thinking is coming out of my mouth. But it's been really helpful for me to have self-control of capturing my words before they come out. Because our words have power, the power of life and death. I remember in a podcast you said... Um you had like an inkling about one of your teenage sons and so you just like spoke to the truth of who God created him to be oh yeah well he was um he was going to college and um I could tell that he wasn't doing great spiritually it was a senior year of high school and you know as a parent you kind of get a you kind of feel for how your kids are doing and at that point at that age I was really becoming more careful with what I was saying, because it, it would have been really easy for me to say, I really feel like you're messing up and you're going the wrong path. And, and so this, he was getting ready for bed. He came into my room and I just, I grabbed him by the shoulders, this big kid, he was on a full ride to play football. But I said, listen, I can't wait to see what God has for you. Like, you're amazing. You're a great leader. When you speak, people listen and you're inspiring. And I feel like people will want to follow you wherever you go. And I can't wait to see what God does in your life. So he's like, well, thanks, mom. He walks out, he comes back in about five minutes later, crying, crying, like big, big tears, big cries. And I thought something had happened. I said, what happened? And he said, mom, I'm not that guy. Like all those things you just said to me, it's not me. You don't even know who I am. I just partied so like ridiculously last month. That's who I am, mom. Like that's who I am. And as a parent, you know, like your first, first rule is don't, don't freak out. Don't freak out. And I remember, I mean, this was God's grace. Cause I remember just grabbing him by the shoulders again and saying, no, that's what you did last weekend. That's not who you are. All the things I said to you, I feel like God's given them. I've seen it because God's told me that's who you are. That's who you are. Don't feel like the things that you do, that's not your identity. That's not who you are. I think we all need to be reminded of that sometimes. There's another question. Is there a way to become more patient? I don't know how to ask this question right. Are there things that I can do to make myself more patient for my children? Oh gosh. You know, everybody's in a different stage. Like we, our one son has four kids and they're all under five and no, they're six and under four kids. It's crazy town. And so I would say, give yourself some grace, depending on the stage of life you're in. It's not easy, especially when your kids are all little and they're all wanting attention. And and so I would, I, I mean, my, the pat answer would be the fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5.22. I wouldn't say it's a bad answer because as Paul is talking to, to the people in the Galatian church, 
he's saying, but the fruit of the spirit, he's talking about here's, here's where people are going in terms of debauchery and all this. He goes, but in comparison, when you walk with God, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy. Think about this in parenting, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now that can probably put you under the pile. Like, oh my gosh, like, no, I'm not living all those out. So I think the way to become patient is one, give yourself grace because you're probably not getting as much sleep as you need. You probably haven't had time to yourself. So I think those are all important things, making sure that you're filled up, not in a, not in a, uh, like, oh, it's all about me way, but sleep and you can't get sleep when your kids are little. I know for me, when our kids were little, I had to go work out. I just, I had to get out of the house. I had to get a workout in. So know yourself. And then I would say, plug into God. And he's teaching you that. It's amazing. I feel like parenting helps you refine some of those areas. And you probably have a personality that's big. Like my friends, I had one friend one time say, I have never yelled at my children. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, are you, I just have a big personality. So I'm loud and I'm, you know, I'll, I, and so that could be you and don't compare yourself to maybe some mom that's very calm and, you know, who are you? I mean, you do want the fruit of the spirit. Patience is one of those, but be patient with yourself too, because you can be in a stage of life that's hard. That's good. Thank you for sharing that. And then another one is what are some ways to spend quality time with kiddos doing things I actually enjoy? (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. Well, it's Dave and I tried to spend time with our kids doing the things as they got older, the things that they liked, like, you know, we've got somebody that loves sports. We love somebody that loves the outdoors, but I also know that because that we've already talked about this because these kids are under my roof. Um, I was pretty like, I remember asking, sitting down with God, with my notebook saying, God, who am I? When I was comparing myself to other moms, I said, who am I Lord? Like, what are the things I'm passionate about? What do I love to do? You know? So mine were, I'm an adventure seeker. I like to play pranks. I, um, I like to be outside. I like to go on hikes. You know, I'm the mom in the stream with catching frogs. I know that's weird, but that's, I was like that as a little girl. So I did do some of the things that I liked because I felt like, oh, God must want the kids to experience that because those are my passions. Now, if you're a person that, like I was talking to a mom and she said, I don't like any of that stuff. I like to be in my house. I said, well, what do you like to do in your house? She goes, I like to bake. And she said, so if I baked for the kids, I'm like, that'd be so fun. Like bake or another one of my friends loved, I told you she's a literature person. And so they would read these great books at night. And that was, you know what I mean? Like they probably didn't all love it, but because she was passionate about it and excited about it, the kids became that too. So I think part of it's that blend of be yourself and be excited and passionate about who God has made you to be. And I would always say to our kids when they were little, I would say when they're really little, I can't wait to see all that God has for you. And they would say, is, is it a present? 
I said, it is kind of, because when you discover all your gifts inside, all the things you're good at, what you love so much, those things will impact the world for Jesus. And you will mark the world because just by being who God's created you to be and living out the things, the gifts for other people by loving other people and doing that. And so it, it creates this anticipation of the world isn't just about me, but what does God have for me, for me to do in the world, if that makes any sense. The mom that asked the question, like, what are these kind of things you think she would like? I like to, we do a lot of, I think whenever you were saying your list, I was like, that's me. <laughs> Adventure seeker. Yeah. Um, just, I'm silly. I'm loud. Yes. I just, I like novelty. So I take them to just different playgrounds and. <laughs> that is totally <laughs> me. And so let me give you an example. So when the kids were little, I like practical jokes. So we would throw ice on Dave when he's in the shower. You know, it couldn't go higher than his feet, but we would do that. We would, um, we'd have these days of adventure that were out in the woods and we'd collect things. I think that that's who you should be. That's really fun. And then, uh, and then when they got older, I mean, this, 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 some of you will think this is so weird. So they're older, they're teenagers, right? So, and, and you've heard this before, but rules without relationship equals rebellion. And so as moms, we're constantly trying to build relationship with the kids. How do you build relationships? I mean, one of them is by talking. Another one's by doing things together. Another thing that I think is huge is laughter, like playing together and laughing together. I just had this passion, like I want my house to be a haven where the kids will want to come and their kids will want to be here because I'm just being who I'm created to be. And that's a magnet to anybody. When you become who God created you to be and live it out, it's a magnet. No, And we're all different and we should be different. So I've got them all in the car, plus a couple of their cousins. And it's it's kind of, I can't remember. They were all like teenagers and maybe down to 10. And I said, and I said, you guys, let's play a practical joke at Wendy's. And I took, I had a, um, I don't know why I had these sticky notes in my purse and I wrote on the sticky note, speak very loud. And I, this is terrible. I stuck it to the speaker at Wendy's at the takeout line, you know, the speaker where you're placing your order. And then we got out of the car. We go into Wendy's. This is late at night. We go into Wendy's and we sit in the booth and we can hear people say, I want a frosty, like they're screaming it into the speaker. It was the funniest thing. Like we are laughing our heads off. That see, and that's just who I am. And so that's what I mean. Your kids catch your enthusiasm. Now, when they got older, our oldest son, the IT guy, you know, we're in Best Buy. Uh, the son that sports, I'm playing basketball with him outside. And the middle son, he loves restaurants and cooking. So we were doing that. As they get older, you still shift into some of their stuff. But I think it's learning to love and appreciate yourself and who they are too and who God created you to be. That's so good. I love that. And I love that you said rules without relationship equal rebellion because that is almost like religion versus a relationship with God too. Yeah. It's so powerful. And so, but then mm. we often skip over, well, what does building relationship look like? And I just love the silliness and the laughter. And I think breaking free from like a before, 
performance-based way of living really can ignite some joy. And I think that that's yes. a lot of us achievers, <laughs> yeah. uh, perfectionists get stuck and it kind of sucks the joy out of a lot of the things we could be doing. So yes, that's, that's amazing. Do you have, I don't know how you're doing on time and do we have time for another question or do you need to wrap up? Yeah, let's do one more. Okay. Annie, which one should we do? If I was, if I say everything calmly and quietly and just once, would it work? Or what's the actual technique? I feel like you kind of answered that, but I don't know if there's more. I kind of did answer that. I think you need to be who God created you to be. If you're not like the gentle, soft-spoken mom, don't be the gentle, soft-spoken mom. Now, that's different from uh, the yelling part. Like if you're yelling, it's because you're just totally frustrated. And, you know, I found myself in that stage and half of it was that I was mad at my husband. (laughs) It's like displaced anger. Even looking at that, like, why am I angry? Why am I frustrated? What am I feeling? And a lot of it is frustration if your kids are little. And that's just a stage. And it's a phase that you will grow out of. Um, But in terms of being this sweet-tempered, you want to be who God created you to be. Now, when it comes to discipline, if we want to get into that, You know, I think it is important when you tell your kids something, you don't don't need to yell. I got better at this as my kids got older and as they, because I was learning and because they are getting older, but I think just being around those six grandkids, I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, especially we had two in the, like that two and a half to three and a half year age where they're, oh, it is rough. Like they're constantly hitting each other. The one was biting each other. And so it's just being patient with yourself and them of pulling them out of situations, distracting them. Um, And I think we're yelling because we're at our wits end. And so to pull them apart, to pray, and again, give yourself grace. It's going to get easier. I would, would say, if you do raise your voice, I would never swat my kids. I wouldn't use names, like don't use name calling of any kind. Um, you address the situation, the problem, and you don't, you like, you don't harm them with your words of I, that identity piece is really big. Like we were just at Disney world over Easter. And this dad says to his son, who's like five, he goes, we, you know what? Your behavior is so bad. I'm thinking we're going to give you away. We're going to adopt you out. (laughs) He's just frustrated and hot and it's, like Disney brings it all out, but we have to be super careful of what we're saying to our kids. Words matter. And so don't use words, you know, that are identity killers. Thank you so much, Anne, for being here. Uh, you're welcome. Such a blessing. Um, I would love to pray for you guys. Yes. <laughs> Father, thank you for these powerful, amazing women and moms. And Lord God, I pray that you would give them all that they need to become the moms, to be the moms that you have created them to be. I pray, Jesus, for protection over their minds, their hearts, their bodies. I pray that you would guard um, their children. And Lord, I pray that these boys and girls would become warriors for you, that they would mark this world with who you've created them to be, That culture wouldn't shape them, but your word would shape them. And I pray that you would give them these moms confidence in that they have it. Like it's already in them. 
but it's just an overflow of what you've created us to be. So help them, Lord, to lock in with you, to spend time with you. I thank you that they're in community with each other because that's so important. And I pray that their sons and daughters would come to know you. They would proclaim your name and that they would live for you and that they would make a difference for you. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we pray in your name. Amen. We hope that this episode of the Bloom Strong podcast blessed your life and added so much value to your day. If you'd like to partner with us and support us, go to www.bloomstrongministries.org. You can find us on social media at Bloom Strong Ministries. Thank you.